I thought I loved advertising, but the change of career at that point in my life was invigorating. It was really exciting. And I thought, well, why didn't I do something like this earlier? Because just the, the, the change of perspective and, and, and learning new skills was really a great thing. And, and uh, uh, so it was, it was, I learned a lot about myself just through, through that transition. Hello, and welcome to the Never Too Old podcast. I'm your host, Arthur Vibert, and I talk to people who are 15 older about what it takes to do old age right. I first met Fred Siegel when I was working at McCann Erickson in New York back in 1986. There had been a shakeup in the creative department, and we had been partnered in assigned the Alka-Seltzer business. We've been friends ever since. Fred is one of those people who enjoys talking to everyone, but he doesn't just talk. He makes connections, comes up with ways to make things happen for people, and he's constantly exploring his own creativity. Oh, and he's really funny. Today we'll be talking about creative careers and the role of serendipity in a fulfilling life. I hope you'll join us for this fascinating conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Fred. It's great to have you here and great to see you. Great seeing you. Nice to uh, reconnect after uh, all these months. Definitely. It's been, what was it, uh, in San Francisco several years ago? We had dinner at uh, Knob Hill, does that recall? So, yeah, some random Italian yeah. restaurant, which was fantastic. It was. I, remember, I remember it was just, just uh, food was great, company was even better. And uh, it's always great seeing you. I do think a lot about when we work together, particularly you know, t- times at McCann, um, and I remember having shingles <laughs> and being in a lot of pain. And 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 you, I think you came over, and I was in desperate pain. But I remember laughing our asses off, um, talking about God knows what. But that was always always fun, no matter what, being with you and, and working. I know with you. it's we we got a lot of laughter, and we just got finished having a lot of laughter, and probably we'll have more. So that's. Definitely. I, I, you know, it's funny. A few years will pass and then we'll talk and we'll laugh our asses off. And it's like, why have we not been talking sooner? <laughs> I mean, it's so strange. It's, yeah, very, very odd. Yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should be in touch much more often. Yeah, well, note to self. Life is short. We have to do these things, you know? Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, as I was just saying, it's, it's somebody who I would talk to, you know, probably every couple of months. Suddenly... You know, that's over. I, I was reminded of a, something that, that really struck me, and it, it really had significance for how I look at things now, which is there comes a time, and you won't know it when it's happening, but there comes a time when it's the last day you go out and play with your friends on the street, you know, and you don't, you don't yeah. realize it at the time, you don't think about it, whatever, but there is a day that's the last one, you know, and and that's true of everything. There's a day when it's the last time you'll ever talk to somebody. You won't know it then. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, what, what, where I've been lately, now that I'm getting older, that you say, how many more hours will I be with this person? Hmm. Versus how many, how many hours were we together in the past? And, and you go, well, wait a second, it might only be five hours over the next X years, you know, as opposed to when we were like working together and we were like joined at the hip and riding up and down elevators together and laughing and going to shoots together and, and sitting in meetings and like kicking each other under the table. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember. So it's, uh, yeah. 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 We just, we, we have to savor the, the, the minutes that were with everybody, I think from 
at this point in our lives. There's no question about it. And and it's funny because I I was actually remembering something. It's a story I tell my students all the time for them to have context about the, the meaning of advertising and, and how important it is. And it's a story you told me. And, and uh, it's probably evolved since you told it to me because, of course, you know, memory. <laughs> but anyway, it, it went something like this. You had some, some double-page ads that you were uh, really proud of. So you took them to the laminator and uh, got them really done well, you know, the thick stuff with the rounded corners and the felt on the back and all this thing. And a friend of, oh, a friend yeah. of yours comes over who's not in the industry, and you're so proud of him. You show them to me. He goes, these are great. Where'd you get these placemats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, that sort of brought it all home, you know. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but what strikes me about that is that when I, when I think about my career and the time I spent in all different cities and all the things we worked on and all the rest of it, what I remember the most and what matters to me the most are the people and those relationships. I threw away all my awards and all my old tapes. And I was just like, why do I have this crap lying around here? <laughs> what do with an Andy? Yeah. It, it's, I mean, some of the time, some of those tokens are okay only because they remind you of the people, you know, because the thing is just the thing. But relationships are so much more important to your life and, and, and holding on to them in some ways is, is, I think is, is what it's all about. Yeah. And how do you how do you maintain those relationships and the friendships and stay in contact with yeah. folks? You know, I, I make it a point now to to have a, you know, at least this is not going for a while. Have at least a few just bullshitting lunches with friends for the hell of it. No matter how busy I am, I'll, I make make it a point to do it. Yeah, and it's it's funny because you don't, when you're younger, you don't even think about it; you just take it all for granted. I think that's that's a lot of it. You know, in, in spite of the fact that there's really no guarantee that any of us are going to live five more hours, you know, you know, all kinds of random stuff happens and the rest of it. But when you're young, you're blase about it. I got another 40 or 50 years, which sounds like eternity, <laughs> you know, but, right. But, but right. then you're at the other end of it. <laughs> it's like, hmm, <laughs> and you go, wait, wait a second. Wait. What happened to that 50 years in the middle there? <laughs> yeah. You know, I look back at, at, the, at the time when we worked together, it was the, the distance between then and now, is a lot further than the distance between now and and the end. Yeah, that's true. And and that's you know whoa. And, and and working together now that we're talking doesn't feel like it was that long ago. It feels like it was maybe a year or so back. <laughs> you know, we, we were working on clay. You know, clay stomachs. That's right. We did clay. St <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Never to be forgotten. Clay stomachs. <laughs> It's all bizarre. You know, the whole thing is, you know, early in the pandemic, I, because sometimes we have these memories, you're not sure if they really happened the way you recall. Yeah. And and I had this this episode where I worked at this internet company up in up in the Bay Area. It was called Excite, yeah. which became Excite at Home, which is long gone. And we were, you know, white hot at the time, and, and the internet was crazy. You can do anything you wanted. There were no rules, and no one knew what the hell the thing was going to turn into. And we had crazy episode after crazy episode. And after many years, you go, well, this couldn't have happened. It's just too bizarre. And so I was on the phone with, with the guy who was the CEO. And I said, did this really happen? And, and he recalled it exactly as I remembered it. 
and the but both of us are just howling at how psycho the whole episode was, you know. And so sometimes you re- you remember things and you think you're embellishing, and then advertising was crazy when we were in it, you know. Though the '80s, it was just totally nutty business. We're just making it up as we went along. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. And I don't know, if, I don't know if anything's insane anymore. I think everybody's too serious about you know getting ahead and 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 trying to make a lot of money or, or, or whatever, and 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 then. You know all the, the the political overtones of of you know working in a company and, and you know, people being afraid of stuff and I, I think the times are very very different when we were kids and working you could say anything you wanted and people would just go oh that's just Arthur <laughs> and they often did <laughs> I always wonder what that whispering was when I went by so. I'm actually curious because I don't know we've talked about it that much anyway. So uh, this actually is a good time for me to figure all this stuff out. Before you started working as a photographer, uh, well, actually, we can go all the way way back. Didn't you work like maybe right out of college or something in a photography studio? Is that right? Yes, I, 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 well, while I was in college, well, first of all, I'm going to go way back in time. I, I thought that because of the TV show Bewitched, I should be in advertising, and, and I really did. And, and so my fantasy was to somehow get into advertising. And, and my dad was a was a, a, a building contractor, so I learned I knew carpentry work. And I somehow got a job. My brother knew somebody, and I got a job for a photographer in New York because I could do carpentry work. I could build mm-hmm. sets. And so I get hired by this guy while I'm in college to work, you know, part time in summers, and, and I and, and I became a photographer's assistant, and and I actually loved it. I thought it was really just a fun business and interesting, and and, and got to set up lights and you know look at models and and do that whole thing. And you know, when you when you're in your early twenties, it's kind of great. And I graduated, and he made the transition to becoming a, a TV commercial director, and and I wound up being like. A, sort of a producer for him and it was really an awful job it sounded glamorous but it was first in last out and i was underpaid and overworked and he was kind of an odd dude and i i i think i, I survived because i was a taurus according to his <laughs> wife that 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 she believed that taurians are good film people so therefore i was a good hire so this is scientific <laughs> yeah so so yeah so i started as, as a photographer's assistant and and then wound up talking to all the clients, you know, the writers and art directors from ad agencies. And I got coached by, by a couple of folks. One fellow named Bob Wilvers, who was a genius and did those, the Plop Plop Fizz mm-hmm. Fizz campaign. At, at, well, he was a Wells Rich and Green. and He was really iconic. And he helped me put together a portfolio. And, and I got hired by the worst agency in New York at the time, which was, you know, great. I knew you were going to say great. <laughs> um, but and looking back, it was kind of amazing that I got hired to work on, on Star Wars toys, where where they had the Kenner the Kenner account, and and the guy there had this idea of of doing licensing of toys around a movie, and people thought he was crazy, <laughs> and and he. Uh, got the license for Star Wars, and, and we did ads for Star Wars toys, and, and, and they hired six kids to work on the account. And they would call us uh, affectionately the toilets, <laughs> and and uh, we worked on the Kenner toy account and and um, and, and Star Wars toys, and, and it became insanely successful. You know that, that they, they sold out everything right away, and and what who knew? So yeah, that's how that's how the whole thing sort of started. And so you're the one who made George Lucas a billionaire. 
because that's what did it for him. Yeah, I guess. It was the, was the toys, not the movies. It, I mean, the movies set up the toys. It was Bernie Bernie Loomis from Kenner Toys was the guy who, who made him a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. I was just a tool of the man. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's how it started. That's great. So so then you worked in advertising, and uh, that's what we met at McCann Erickson in 85, 86, whatever that was. <clears throat> yeah, in the yeah, mid-80s, yeah. yeah. I'm going to get hired. I was working at another agency at the time that was just horrifying, who, who, which shall remain nameless. And I needed to get out desperately. And, and so I get a job at, at a really good agency. But the, their their health insurance didn't cover Amy's pregnancy at the time. So it was a pre-existing oh. condition. And so I couldn't leave until the baby was born. So I had this job from hell. And then the baby was born, born on, on, on Christmas Day. And then on January 3rd, I think it was, I met McCann Erickson <laughs> my first day of work. <laughs> I timed it well to done. get, you know, so as soon as she, the baby was born, I'm well out. Done. And then I, my first day of work, my boss was fired, which was Kervin sure. O'Reilly. So so you, you, you went through that whole process. You were at McCann. And then did you go, what happened after McCann? I'm trying to remember. Did you go to another agency? Oh. I went to I went to catch him. Right. Yeah, That's so right. so we had two we had two kids in Manhattan, and it was really challenging to, to live in the city with, with two kids, and we were renting an apartment, so we had no equity and nothing. And I, I was I was very stressed out. And at the time, I was running the group with with Mike Calamro, so it's a really large group, and and a lot of accounts. It was uh, I was over my head for sure, and so I wanted to get out. And 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 I was talking to Leo Burnett in Chicago. I thought okay, living in Chicago might be better than living in Manhattan or New York area. And then I got a call, random phone call that from a recruiter saying, hey, we have the president of Ketchum in my office right now. You want to come down right now and meet him? <laughs> and I went down, and he was my age and was actually the Ketchum office in yeah. Philadelphia. And, and I said, wow, this is kind of an interesting thing. And, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll take the job. And, of course, I thought advertising was a center of the universe, and, and, and I had, was committed to being in the business forever. You know, how you can have a lot of fun. You can make good money, whatever. So, you know, leave McCann, which they thought I was out of my mind, and, but I, I did because I explained that I needed a life. It really wasn't about, about the work. And it was the worst job I ever had. And they started making noises of moving me back to New York to, to help fix the New York office and be career director mm-hmm. there. And, and that, my wife was like, Amy was like flipping out, like, oh my God, we can't, this is the best life ever here in the suburbs of Pennsylvania. Why are we, you know, why we go back to Manhattan? And I got a call from a recruiter saying, hey, you know, would you be interested in going to QVC? And and I'm thinking, why would I want to be creative director at, at, at QVC and sell fake diamonds and stuff? That's crazy. And the recruiter said, well, here's how much money they're paying. I said, I'll love that. <laughs> Bring on that cubic zirconia. Yeah. <laughs> so I went there, you know, as more of a life decision than a, than a work decision. Okay, if I, maybe I'll take this and, and the family would be, be better off here. And um, I met the, the then president of QVC, and he didn't tell me what the job was. So it was an interesting interview. Uh, but he had uh, on this TV behind him a blue topaz ring spinning around. I'm going, what the hell is that all about? And he said, well, that's, you know, X millions of dollars right now. And I went, you're shitting me. That's a lot of, you know, really? Yeah, yeah. And he showed me the, the screen where they tracked all the sales. And I went, that's an interesting business. And then interview was over and he calls me back for another interview and I meet with him again. And, and like I said, what's the job? He's like, I can't tell you what the job is. Uh, but he said, you know, 
could you could you work for for Barry Diller? And I said, I don't know. I mean, he said, well, do me a favor, go buy the book Outfoxed, read it, and if you think you could survive, then <laughs> let's keep talking. And and I and I got the book, and I actually have a copy of it here just to commemorate that. And 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 the opening, and the cover of the book. I should walk over quickly. There's a, there's a forward, and it says, where is it? It's something that uh, it's where I said working for, working for Diller is like uh, was like putting out a fire on the Alaska oil pipeline. Get too close, you burn to death. Move too far, you freeze. <laughs> so I read that and went, I'm in. And and then then I said to, to to the president, I'm in. But what's the job? He said, Well, the job is actually to be the head of marketing here. And and but you have to keep it confidential because we're going to let the head of marketing go, and, and we're looking for her replacement. And but you have to meet with Diller. So I meet with with Diller, and it was a great meeting. I thought. And and then he started talking up, you know, BBDNO, and 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 then they gave him the presentation that BBDNO made to him. It was a terrible presentation. <clears throat> and he said, "Tell me what you think after you read it." So I called him up and I said, "I I didn't think the presentation was very good." And he started drilling me on it, and 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 the and the deal away. It turned into a little bit of an argument. And then I, I said what I believed, and he said, "You know, speak to Mr. Briggs," and he hung up on me. And next thing you know, I'm working for Barry Diller, <laughs> uh, which was which was an adventure. The most interesting thing about it was the revelation that I thought I loved advertising, and I thought that was the be all and end all. But the change of career at that point in my life was invigorating; it was really exciting. And and I thought, well, why didn't I do something like this earlier? Because just the, the the change of perspective and 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 learning new skills was was really a great thing and, and so it was it was I learned a lot about myself just through through that transition you know like like in advertising I didn't have that much accountability because you, know, you, you know your accountability was a successful campaign and and but when you're a marketing company at a, at, when a marketing person at a company like that your accountability was was dollars and cents. And and I remember my first budget meeting with Diller, and it, it, he basically, you know, ten minutes in after going through this the org chart, he slammed the book shut and he said, "You don't have a budget, Mister Siegel." He says, "All you have are ideas. If your ideas are good, you'll get funded. If they aren't any good, you don't get a dime. Now get out, quote unquote." <laughs> and and evidently it was a good meeting compared to some of the other meetings. But what what the president said to me was, "says You have an unlimited budget. All you have to do is just show an ROI." So your budget is is whatever you want to spend. Just prove that you can make more money than what you're spending. So that level of accountability was was phenomenal. It was just great to have that. Um, so that was, you know, and, and figuring out the business. So what's what's e-commerce and and how do you you know move these levers and what happens when you do that? What happens when you turn this dial a little bit versus that dial? And, and it was yeah, it was, it was a great experience, really great experience. And I, and I, and again. I look back and 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 I'm still in touch with the CFO and 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 friend Neil, who was legal chief counsel, and and he and I would be howling all the time at how crazy stuff was, you know. And you know the stories are just just so so insane with between Joan Rivers and 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 George Foreman and and you know there is a a really funny book and all that stuff. Well, then I, then I started getting sick of the whole thing because it was a, a tough gig. It was. You know, twenty four seven basically, and all the business happened on the weekends and at night, and I had to be on top of everything in case to, to deal with with media. 
so I got tired of being online every night and watching the, the <laughs> screens and, and the weekends watching the screens. And, and, and I got a call from a recruiter asking me to, if I was interested in going to, to Amazon. And I said, no, because it didn't seem much different than what I was doing now. Even though I'd met, I'd met Bezos at some, some future retailing off, offsite, we both were speakers. But I did that, and that's not for me. And, and he kept calling me with jobs that were, could have been interesting, I guess. And then he said, why are you sitting on the sidelines? I said, because you don't send anything great. And then I get a phone call from the chief operating officer of Excite in mid-paragraph saying, you know, I answer the phone at home, and, it, and the guy starts talking about how they have more readers of news on Excite than the New York Times has readers. And, and, and as he's talking, I'm thinking, wait a second, this is the future. And, and so I ended up taking a job and commuting from Philadelphia to San Francisco every week, which is, which is nuts. But again, the, the, the changing careers kind of was phenomenal. It was just a great thing to, to, to have that reinvention again and to work in an industry that no one really knew the rules and, and you could just make <laughs> shit up. You have these massive failures, but you, you learn from it, you know, and, and, I remember once at QBC, I thought that the phone calls on air were really awful, that the people who were talking in the air sounded like they were lonely old ladies living in trailer homes with cats. And and so I said to a president, I said, I really hate these phone calls. I think they're hurting our business. He said, then stop them. Do what you want. So I said, okay, let's stop the calls. And then the following month, we were in the monthly you know, meeting on, on, on revenue, and then the business tanked. <laughs> <laughs> And and we kind of went around the table of all the managers and, and every so he said, says, what did you guys do differently? And everybody did the same thing. And then he turns to me and says, Fred, what did you do differently? I went, oh, I stopped the phone calls, you know, and he's exactly, let's turn them on again, you know, and the business went back <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because you're a lot of insight when something like that happens. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yeah and, 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 you know, both those industries were, were so young that, 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 you know, the, fortunately, the management of, of both those companies knew that you had to take risks in order to see what was around the corner. And and sometimes it worked, sometimes yeah. it didn't work. But that's exactly what's become the uh, the kind of philosophy of the entire Silicon Valley uh, business model, which is, you know, fail fast and move forward. You know, it's like uh, Elon Musk is the real sort of, prime mover behind all that i'll just keep blowing up rockets until one of them gets to orbit <laughs> but you have to yeah. learn from the failures you know that's 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 the deal you know and if you don't fail you and, don't learn but, and also you think you're bulletproof which is really yeah. bad no that's right well and, and unfortunately you know you, you feel like you're bulletproof if you're not failing but uh if you're not failing you're also not growing and learning so you know it's going to kind of go hand in hand you just kind of have to go that's part of it and i always say if you learn from it and move forward then you're not actually failing. You're just learning. Yeah, it's a really good insight. I think you want to get to how, how I became a photographer, but yeah. it's all part of the journey, you know? And, 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 uh, and I think that, and obviously it didn't come out of nowhere, just like, you know, you're talking about your friend who liked to play guitar and he had a band. You know, it doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from something that, that may have happened in the past that you may have stepped away from at some point. But you know, I, I left Excited Home because of, of the AOL merger. I said, this is what am I doing at this company? Because it's, I have no impact on the business. It's just, I'm just a marketing guy, so I'm done. I'm out of here. 
and, and so I left and and figured I'll take a year off and 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 sort of regroup and and reevaluate like what do I want to do when I grow <laughs> up and, and 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 I was in the enviable position of getting called by recruiters saying hey wouldn't you like to be the head of marketing for Burger not for McDonald's or Home Depot and 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 all of the stuff just sounded terrible because you know you're working these two industries you're helping figure out what's what they are and then why go and, and and sell you know roofing and stuff and what was the you know what was the excitement in that and and I, I stumbled upon you know one of the things I did at QVC and, and, and Excite was learn how to use celebrity and cause marketing to to advance agendas of, of the company and, and and you know we did some really interesting projects raising money for breast cancer research and stuff you know selling shoes and things at QVC and and helping deliver information on on child development you know, while at Excite, you know, with this celebrity and charity in LA. And so I had this, this reputation in, in LA as someone who, who understood how to, how to raise money for celebrities and how to do stuff around charity. And so I got this call from, from a very prominent family who, whose children had diabetes and, and they said, Hey, could you help us with this thing in DC to get, you know, W and, and Laura to, to be, you know, co-chairs of this event on stem cell research. And I said, sure, not, not a problem. And, and it turned out that 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 the Republicans were working on banning the research because yes. you know, it was killing embryos in their heads, you know. So we ended up lobbying and 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 worked with you know Michael J. Fox and Chris Reeve and Muhammad Ali, and and, and we were very successful. We ended up blocking legislation that was going to ban the research. But what that did for me was to say, well, wait a second, this is probably what I should be doing with my life, and and, and really use media and celebrity to advance big causes and, and to make make an impact and sort of repent for all those years in advertising where I was selling Star Wars toys to children, you know, and, and cereal cereal and beer and stuff. So that's kind of what I've been doing for the last twenty years is is using media to, to make make an impact socially. But then one day I had this call. This is talks about the randomness of life from an old friend who's who was starting a Hispanic mixed martial arts league, which you know definitely fits into my portfolio. And I said, "Get out of town!" You know, I I I, I do stuff around nonprofits and cause you know climate change and cancer and, and that kind of stuff. And he said, "No, no, 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 no. This is a kind of a fun business, you know. It, it's it's young young guys hitting each other in the head, you know, and, and in the ring and, and and stuff." So I said, "I'm in. I'm done. I'm there." So so I get involved <laughs> as an advisor to this league, helping them with some of the media deals. And I thought his website was terrible, and the photographs were awful. And I said, "You know, your photographs <laughs> really suck." And he said, he said, I said, it looked like everybody else's photo. He said, well, then why don't you take the photographs, jerk? And I went, okay, I will. And, and, and I said to a friend of mine who's a photographer, I said, hey, I, I, got, I got to do these photographs of these mixed martial arts fighters, but I don't really know what I'm doing. He said, oh, well, you need, a, a, you need an assistant to help you because they know how to set the lights up. And I kind of knew how to do that from, from, from my days as a photographer's assistant. But I figured, okay. So I get this assistant. I start shooting these fighters. And turns out that it was fun and 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 i kind of got into the conversations and telling the stories and 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 i realized that i always like telling stories that's what, what i was in advertising it's fundamentally is about storytelling 
and and raising money and and making change around important issues of storytelling and photography storytelling. And I started shooting, and people liked the photographs. And the next thing you know, I'm like, people actually giving me money to take pictures, which is very surreal. <laughs> but it happens. That's great. It happens. So that's kind of a, that's that's the trajectory. So I'm curious because, you know, a lot of people feel like once they reach a certain age, they're supposed to slow down and, you know, kind of take time to smell the roses and all those things yeah right. play golf, play golf. <laughs> gotta play golf except i'd rather pound carpet protection in my yeah. gums and do that but so so you know obviously you don't sound like you're doing a whole lot of slowing down what what keeps you going i do have a problem i have the shiny object disorder where where i'm totally fine with whatever and then someone calls me and say hey how about what do you think of this you know and next thing you know i'm like barreling down the road trying to figure that thing out you know and and so it's really around around curiosity where i'm just i just can't help thinking about fun things i'd like to do and when you have a camera you kind of get licensed to do it and you know i just finished a project that's on tour right now of, of church pastors impressing upon their congregations to get screened for colon cancer and so i shot 35 church pastors in la and, and I was so excited about, about it, not so much that I get to shoot church pastors, but get to have these conversations with them and trying to understand, like, why are they pastors? You know, what is it about them that's so different? And, and what, what propels them? And, and, and so these conversations with each one of them was uh, uh, such a gift and so much fun to, to, have, to have these conversations. You know, I've shot, I've shot celebrities recently doing that because that's what you do out in L.A., and that's the least fun of anything because there's no conversation. You know, they're there to do their job. You're there to do your job. You take the picture after 15 minutes, you're done. They look at the image and go, I like this one. You go, okay, I like that one too. And they leave. And then, yeah. you know, what was the yeah. point? You know, if I get paid, yeah, great. You know, uh, but it's not, it's not about that. It's about what's, what's the story? What's, what's the interesting thing that I can glean from, from this individual? So yeah, I look at it as photography as as a way to satisfy my my greater curiosity. Uh, so it's worth having lots of conversations about this and that, and and that's what makes makes it work for me. Is can I have fun and can I learn and and and, and maybe solve a problem yeah. while I'm at it? Yeah, that's great, and it's fascinating that celebrity comment because I I've experienced that as well. Anytime I've come up against celebrities with the singular exception of donald sutherland who i i just happened to meet oh. randomly standing outside waiting for my car at the four seasons <clears throat> and uh, he was waiting for his car as well and uh, he came over i, I didn't recognize him at first. i never recognized celebrities i didn't recognize him at first and then i you know slowly oh that's donald sutherland but he started he wanted to know about my suitcase because it looked kind of like a photographer's Speaking of photographers, look kind of like a photographer's case. It was aluminum with some rubber stuff on it. I said, no, no, no. You know, I, I'm here on a shoot and blah, blah, blah. I told him I was an advertiser. He said, oh, my son has been in some Levi's commercials, you know, Kiefer. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, it was oh, just yeah, super yeah. nice. And, and he asked my name and I give him my name. I said, I'm not going to bother to ask your name. <laughs> I think I know who you are. <laughs> well, a lot of celebrities are, are are pretty nice. You know, unfortunately, I have I had the mis misfortune of, of being yes. named Fred Siegel. So in L.A., 
you know, people think I'm the other of the other Fred Siegel, you know, the, the fashion guy. So I've had this very strange thing where, where I'll have a conversation with a celebrity or someone and, and then I realize they think I'm the other one. Um, <laughs> that's why they're so friendly to me. Like I was met I was at this party a while ago, years ago, and Serena Williams was there and, and, and she's a very, very muscular lady. And, and my friend who was a fashion designer takes me over to, to meet her and he goes, I want you to meet my friend Fred Siegel. And she like lights up. You know, and and she she gives me a bear hug and lifts me off the ground, so my feet are like, you know, kicking and dangling up in the air, and and, and she's like hugging me back and forth, and she said, "I must have spent fifty thousand dollars in your store last year," <laughs> and I don't know what to say, but my friend bailed me out. He goes, "Isn't his store fabulous?" <laughs> so I've had a lot of that, you know, where where. I meet celebrities, and I happen to be with someone who's you know maybe well known, or they trust, and they say it's Fred Siegel. Yeah, I think yeah, obviously yeah. I'm the other one, so there's that. But when I find out I'm just the Fred Siegel who used to be in advertising or whatever, they kind of roll their eyes and walk away, you know, sneering. You know, yeah. The only people that think advertising is important is other ad people. So, I, how does how does your wife Amy? takes you all these things that you're doing and your activities and all the rest of it she kind of rolls her eyes in, in, in silent amusement you know at first when i was in advertising I, I wasn't smart enough to enjoy any of it at the time i was never in the moment i was always looking forward and hoping that i would be better you know and and i remember i, I don't know if you were at mccain when i won the creative director's award so. that time and i was very upset by that at the time because i thought they want something from me because I, maybe I controlled a couple of accounts in their heads, you know, like Black and Decker or whatever. And, and so they were, they were being nice to me. And I just didn't think I was ever good enough. And I, and I, I think she had to live with that. And I think that was hard for her because I was always convinced I was going to be fired the next day. And you know, I was just really neurotic. And so I, I just, you know, like when I worked with you, I said, I'll never be as good as Arthur. He's just amazing. And I was like that kind of a thing. And, and so she, she was sort of stressed out that I was always going to lose my job because yeah. I was always stressed out that I was going to lose my job. It was totally irrational. And then, and then when I went to QVC, she was, she was happy, but, but the fact that I was, I had to kind of work almost around the clock was tough for her. Excite was hard because I was commuting yeah. long distance. You know, I was <clears> in San Francisco three days a week, and that was that wasn't the deal. But that's what it turned into because of the merger. And and then I think when I when I quit, she was sort of happy that I was around more, and 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 she was happy that that I, that I can satisfy my ADD. You know, and 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 I think she loves the photography thing because she thinks that she can at least explain <laughs> to people what he does. You know, because like she can never really do that over the last twenty years. Like, what does he do? So I think she she, but I, I, she sees how happy I am, and and that I'm around more, and that we're able to 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 do things together more now. The last you know, last ten or so years, I've been calm enough and, and and in the moment enough to know that I can I can shut off and go away with her and friends and and and, and enjoy life, um, and that's so that's okay. That's great. That's great. It's it's good you got there. <laughs> it wasn't an easy road. It's funny. It, it looks it looks easier from the outside, but you know, on the inside, it's it's you know a lot of stress. And and there was a point where 
I didn't know what was going to entail my head you know, next week, but I sort of made the turn where I felt if I if I didn't if I if I knew exactly what was going to happen mm-hmm. that day, what was the point? That that there was something about a day of discovery every day. Like yesterday was a Monday. Monday, I thought I have nothing to do today. What a great day! And the day became <laughs> insane. Um, <laughs> And, you know, someone called me from Washington about, about something they'd heard I was working on, on this, this caregiving stuff, which I'm passionate about. And, and the next thing you know, it's like a whole, a new door opened. And, and I said, oh, I'm going to walk through this door in my head and, and start, you know, having conversations around what this person had suggested. And now it's a whole new adventure related to caregiving, which, which is something that, that I think I can make an impact on long term, but again, that's just you know curiosity and 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 just being open to 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 something that you just don't expect, but it's stressful, you know, because you, know, you just sometimes you just don't know, and and just being open to being open to being open, I think is is the key to to what happens later in life is 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 try to be vulnerable to to things that are out there and 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 be receptive and and almost like the the old improv truism with find the and you know when someone says blah 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 blah, don't go nah just kind of figure out how do you add to it or what's the and and then yes, next and. thing you know you're yeah. on another adventure <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah. that's such yeah. a great insight yeah, totally. Fred. i think totally. that's, that's such a great attitude to have about your life you know, this one precious life. And, uh, you know, it, it's like, it's to be lived and experienced, not to, you know, kind of hide away at a certain point, but to continue to be out there, uh, open to experience and, and, and new unexpected things that you never saw coming and turn out to be wonderful. Yeah. I mean, the pandemic, that was, that was, a, you know, just reminded me like, like, here we are locked down. We live in, we live in Santa Monica, which is down, you know, down the, the road from Venice. And, you know, we're locked down and you can't go outside and you got to wear face masks. And, and I'm gosh, shit, what am I going to do now? And I, so I, I said, well, you know, always weird people in Venice. I'm going to grab my camera and take photographs of them wearing face masks. And, and so grab my camera and strap on like three face masks. So you never know what you're <laughs> going to catch in Venice Beach. And, and I walk down and, and the people are pretty interesting. And I say, hey, can I take a picture with a face mask on? And the next thing I know, I have, over the course of a month and a half, a body of work of really fun characters with face masks on. And and then the county of Los Angeles sees these and they say, hey, can you can we use them for a campaign? And the next thing <laughs> you know, I'm like the face mask guy. And <laughs> And that that happened for a couple of years. You know, Bill Nye, Bill Nye, Bill Nye started a face mask company, and he found me, and I took pictures of him with face masks. And it's yeah, yeah. it's just all random. It's just being, it's being, you know, being in a pinball machine and knowing the ball's going to hit you one of these days, and just just you know, put your arms down, don't. But you stop have to it, be in the pinball machine. Happen. You know, if you don't, if you don't put yourself in the way of the ball, yeah. you know, or the chance of being hit by the ball, then obviously you'll never be hit. And I think that's. That's the mistake people make. They hide away. Yeah, absolutely right. And yeah. as I always tell anybody who cares to listen and bore the pants off them, it's like if you just sit quietly in your room and wait for things to happen, 
I can guarantee you that nothing will. Um, you know, if you get out in the world, it, it doesn't even have to be that aggressively out in the world. You know, just put yourself out there a little bit. And it's amazing how dramatically things change and happen. Absolutely. You know, I, I had I had dinner the other night with, with the lady who, who used to work with me at QVC a long time ago. She was in town and and she had a friend with her. And she said that she said Fred taught me something that that helped my career, which was I remember you would have lunch and breakfast with people with absolutely zero agenda. And and that was it. And 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 that is true. I did that for, for years, I would always like say, hey, "That's an interesting person. I'm going to have lunch with him or her," and and you never know. And, and sometimes something comes of it. There was one guy. Someone said he 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 wrote a book, and his agent's a really interesting guy. And I should meet the agent. Oh, why do I want to meet a book agent? So I meet this guy who's like 20 years older than me, 15 years older than me, and but he was fascinating. Mm-hmm. So we just started having lunches together for years, and then. And then someone came to me and said, hey, I want to do a – and he happened to represent a lot of theater people. And he, someone came to me and said, I want to do a, a, a Broadway play on the life of David Ogilvy you know, from Ogilvy. And so I call up Bob and I say, hey, you want to do a play together? And he goes, yeah, let's do it. And, and we got really far down the road with the, and then we realized it was, a work, it was work for hire. And, and you know, Broadway just doesn't work that way because you, know, you just don't know when something's going to happen. We want to have a piece of the action. We, and, and we couldn't deliver anything on a specific time frame because that's – this Broadway, you know, typically shows take like seven years. But this, the moral of the story is I had no expectations that anything was ever going to happen with this guy. Yeah. We were completely different lines of work. But then something happened. And you went, oh, let's do this together. Oh, let's have an adventure together, you know, and, and, and let's, let's find – we've become friends. Let's figure out something fun to do. If we don't make Still money, fun. we don't make money. doesn't matter. But if we have fun, that's, that's the great. point. No, that's yeah. absolutely that's absolutely right. And and again, you know, th- this is the sort of thing that I think when we're younger, we take all that stuff for granted. You know, uh, although it was funny, it was like I saw people making a joke about not having friends in their thirties. You know, I mean, I know that as we get older, you know, unless we're actively out searching for friends, it's 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 hard to do that um, uh, because you know, a lot of the old ones die, as we've already talked about. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, yeah. and it's like my yeah. least favorite thing about getting older is it's 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 losses is it's it's bad you got to save her you know i have a friend from new york who we, we had a friend he died you know four years ago five years ago and we spoke several times a week a couple times a week at least he lived in new york and he couldn't understand why i liked living in california but i was out of my mind and so in LA, they have these car washes where you, your car goes to the car wash, and then someone spends like three hours drying in the car, you know, and, and polishing it up. It's a whole, it's a whole thing here. So I would make it a point every time I got a car wash to call him <laughs> just to piss him off, and 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 I, I would talk to him the entire time the car was being, you know, dried just to just to annoy him and to show, you know, uh. the funny thing. And then he died, and and it was awful. You know that that here's someone you have this this really wonderful, hilarious relationship with, and 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 then it just is over. And so, how do you, you know, value and, and enjoy and spend time with everyone who you care about? Yeah, because that's what matters, really. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, I think that's a good place to to end this interview. So. 
Thank you so much, Fred. Thank you so much for being so inquisitive and being a, a wonderful, great friend and a fantastic person. Thank you for joining me today on the Never Too Old podcast. You can find out more about today's guest at his site, fredsiegel.net. Please listen to the next podcast in the series where I talk to Rob Nelson about his life as a celebrated, award-winning independent director who is still hard at work. He's currently developing his Nomad trilogy at the age of 84. I hope you'll check it out. Occasionally I think, oh, this is all going to end. That would be inconvenient because I have a lot of stuff I'd like to do, plus I have a feeling for it. And I'd feel very sad, kind of. Uh, there's a nostalgia I'd be feeling for everything I'd have to leave behind. What a drag. Okay, I got, I got stuff to do, so I can't dwell. Mm-hmm.